Mac Power Users, Episode 39, Workflows with Paul Kent and Macworld 2011. everyone. It's David Sparks here along with my friend Katie Floyd. How are you today, Katie? I'm great, David. Excited to be doing one of these Workflows episode again, especially getting ready for Macworld. Uh, and we have a guest with us today, uh, Paul Kent from IDG. He's uh, in charge of Macworld. How are you doing today, Paul? Great, David. Nice to talk to you and Katie again. I guess I should make it clear. It's Macworld Expo. You're the, you're the guy who makes Macworld Expo happens every year. That's right. That's me. And, and uh, thank you so much. It's 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 my favorite time of the year. I, I like it more than Christmas. Uh, are you sure? It's like being four years old again. It's like you know, oh my god, it's MacWorld. You, you go know, on the do, floor, show floor. People do get very very uh, excited for it. I mean, I think MacWorld is not only are there the star of the show is the products, right? The cool new stuff that comes out, but those products uh, are a reason for those of us who work in the industry to get together. Uh, and talk about them together. You 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 reacquaint old acquaintances. Uh, it, Macworld serves a very unique place in our world. Yeah, I think I said this last year, but every year I find the the week I spend up there in San Francisco just kind of like a great escape from the day to day grind. And you make some new friends. You meet up meet up with some old friends. And overall, it's just a, a good time had by all. And you learn quite a bit too. Last year, I attended several of the. Uh, expo sessions and learned a great deal. So, uh, but we thought before we got into Macworld, we we talked to you, Paul, a little bit about how you use your Mac to put on this massive conference. I mean, this is uh, basically one of the biggest in the world, I I would assume, with all of the press coverage and the attendance over the years. Uh, and I understand you put most of this together with your Mac. Well, let, let me kind of talk a little bit about the tools that we use and and how IDG works. So, you know, I work for a company called IDG World Expo that puts on lots of shows, and um, Macworld is has been produced by IDG for a long time, but it's not the only show that IDG produces. And so some of my coworkers are on PCs and some of my coworkers are on Mac, as is typical in many organizations. Now, the interesting thing about putting together Macworld is I'm a true road warrior. I'm a, I'm a mobile employee. Most of my team is back here in Boston, and then I work out of Silicon Valley in California. And so I'm connected to the team virtually all day long. And so... Uh, I do quite a bit, like what we're doing now with Skype. Skype is great, reliable, high-quality video and audio conferencing, works wonderful. We do a lot with text messaging, so I so uh, Apple uh, Instant Messages on iChat is, is up all day long, so that would be another thing. Um, and then we just use a standard Office uh, suite of tools. Now, I tend to enjoy using Pages and Keynote and Numbers quite a bit, you know, lets me get a lot of things done faster. So I've really been working with those for quite a while on the Mac. I'm not too keen on them on an iPad yet. I have them, but uh, it's not. It's just not quite as intuitive and natural to me. But um, I, I tend to do a lot more stuff in iWork, and then either save to PDF and, and share with them that way, or just convert to a to a uh, a Word or a Excel or a PowerPoint doc and, and send them around that way. But um, that's one that's me that's unique that way, that I, I really enjoy the Apple tools, and so that's what I use. So, so basically, so use, you use the iWork suite, and then you just export it to the Microsoft Word or Microsoft Office formats for distribution to your team. That's right. And so the PC people get that. Do they ever have any problems uh, with the uh, document formatting or anything? 
Um, it's gotten much better, and really, um, it's a pretty standard way to do it. And a lot of the stuff that we do, um, that's you know, like document sharing, you know, like like word processed or, or, or page layout document. We're doing a lot of editing in PDF now. So so we use um, we use a few things. I mean, I I rely a lot on on um, PDF Pen from Smile, which is a really really valuable tool. Like contracts come over, I can virtually sign contracts and send them back. Um, I can add and edit text. So PDF Pen is a great tool. I, I really recommend that one. Yeah, we're big uh, fans of that, and they're a sponsor of the show as well. <laughs> oh, good, good. That's a good relationship. They, yeah. they are really one of the top Mac OS X developers that's out there. So the, all their stuff is great. I mean, Text Expander just won an Eddie Award. So you know, that's another great tool. Yeah. So we have this issue of cross-platform compatibility, and you know, we pretty much solve it either by um, by uh, document formats or by PDF. Both of them work well. Um, depending on what we're doing is how we'll choose what, what's there. Skype for uh, mobile video and audio. Um, iChat for just pure text chat. Um, and then, you know, I have, again, as a mobile app, I use a, a, a program on my on my uh, iPad and my iPhone called ToDo, the number two and then D-O. And it's really the most full-featured to-do list manager that I've ever found. I mean, you know, just the total control that you have over this stuff is fantastic. So, you know, you can you can file things, you can prioritize things, you can set all sorts of reminders, you can keep notes to your to-dos. It's all it's all really really uh, well done. So, to-do is incredibly valuable. Um, well, we're going to definitely see. add that one to the show notes. I've never even heard of that one before. Oh, it's fantastic. I mean, it, there's a great Facebook page that talks about the features and has some videos of it. But that's that's my top um, to-do list manager. N- now, does that sy- synchronize over to your Mac, or do you need to just manage it on your iOS devices? It's, it, it now syncs you know, with the new um, WebDAV uh, support. It now syncs through MobileMe into to-dos for uh, like, like um, iCal, so you can do that. But there's also like a, a free web service called Toodledo, T-O-O-D-L-E-D-O. And Toodledo is um, a nice middleware thing. So that's one way you can get things between you know, your Mac and, and, uh, and have it available anytime, anywhere by just putting on a web service. Nice. Now, you talked about all these, these documents that you're pushing around, whether it's PDFs or uh, pages docs that you've converted into Word docs or whatever. Are, are you just emailing these or, or are you sharing them via iDisk or Dropbox or, or, or how are you sharing yeah. all this stuff out? That's a really interesting question. So one thing is, is that the IDG email system to try and keep people from, from holding on to – so the rest of IDG uses, uses some variation of, of Entourage or Microsoft Mail products. Um, and to keep, discourage people because of the centralized service servers uh, from from holding on to documents too long, we have a, a a limit of attachments of five megabytes, which is not terribly practical. So yeah. I actually use the you send it service quite a bit. I think you send it is tremendous. I have used Dropbox. I really like Dropbox. You know, MobileMe is is just not quite as um, Flexible uh, doesn't work all the time for PC users. I I, I don't really uh, recommend that for any kind of cross-platform environment. You send it is fantastic. There's a free service to you send it for sending up to ten megabyte files. Hey, you know how many years is it that we've all been saying about MobileMe? Gee, if it would just be a little faster, a little more stable. I, I just can't imagine it's taken them so long to fix that. Steve says next year. Next year is better. <laughs> I just saw that email too. That next year is going to be a big year, but I, we've heard this before, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. And it's been rebranded, but you know, at the end of the day, 
I it's keep just, paying it, for it. It's just too slow. And, uh, well, it does, it has other services that I find very useful, but in terms of just like the Dropbox style syncing service, that's just a kind of a fail at this point. Dropbox is awesome though. I mean, Dropbox is Nirvana. I mean, the way you can just pass around links and the way it updates files and manages all the synchronization, Dropbox is fantastic. And what I can't get over is Dropbox has kind of stolen the thunder from mobile me on the iOS platform because they put in that the developer code where you can save your files and your documents directly to Dropbox from iOS applications and every yeah. everybody's doing it. I mean, just think yeah. if Apple had put that into the begin with to mobile me, how valuable it would be. But, you know, they'll get it. You know, Apple always is a little slow to the game with stuff like that, but they usually have a pretty good solution when they do show up. I think when they're slow to the game, they're slow to the game, and when they're not slow to the game, they're not slow to the game. Yeah. This is is unusually slow to the game. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, I I interrupted your flow, though. So you were talking about the to-dos, and then uh, you share the documents uh, uh, through this service. And what what else uh, do you Yeah, I think you were heading towards the email area, though. You know, email is kind of the bread and butter of what we do. Um, you know, I would say that's what definitely is what I'm on 90% of the day. That works, you know, great for a lot of things. You always have a record of the conversations that I have. And that, you know, I have so many things going on at the same time. That is really helpful for reminding me of promises I've made, invitations I've extended, things I do with my staff. And so that's really useful as well. So, Paul, where do you where do you fall in the email client religious war? Um. I understand them, and I know that they are such a – it's a tool people use so much that once you get attached to one – I mean, I think Adam Angst, you know, still uses Eudora. He's been a big fan of Eudora, yeah. right? And so I, I know that when people find something that works for them, that truly is a workflow for them, filing messages and color coding messages, whatever it is, I use Apple Mail pretty much. I have on occasion gotten the – benefit of having to go out to mobile email, you know, when I, when I haven't had something near me. But Apple Mail seems to be fine, especially because of the seamless syncing of messages between an iPad, iPhone, and a Mac. So I'm totally fine with Apple Mail. Yeah, I'm with you. The growth of iOS and the way it all kind of just works has really squashed any of my in- best intentions to, like, switch over to Gmail or some of these other services because I've, I've totally. got it. So it just works really well. Also, with the OmniFocus is the task management program I use, and they've got a really great plug-in so I can send emails to create task items very quickly. And it's hard for me to deal with, you know, switching something when what I've got works. Yeah, now how, I, I agree. I was just going to ask, Paul, how are you getting stuff? You know, I know all this stuff comes into your email. How are you getting it out? Are you, are you using some kind of calendaring application? Are you using the built-in data detectors in mail to, to you know, like when we scheduled this? I know you've got dozens of appointments this time of year. Are you throwing them into your iCal? Are they syncing up to places? How are you managing all of that stuff? Well, just to add one level, level of more complexity, I use Apple Mail uh, for my personal stuff. But mm-hmm. on the same computer, I'll, I'll run, I'm actually running Entourage, which connects oh. to IDG's corporate stuff. So, you know, oh, it, but it's not one layer Right, Entourage, and then I'm, um, and then I use Entourage's calendaring service, and that syncs pretty seamlessly. There, there have been a couple of glitches along the way, but uh, that syncs pretty seamlessly with iCal. So iCal is kind of a universal, you know, uh, necessary thing for me to do is go in there. Um, all calendar items go there. I would say I check iCal first thing in the morning, uh, end of the day when preparing for the next day. So I have the, kind of this dual life where I have you know this certain corporate connection to Microsoft products. And then there's the products that I feel most comfortable using. So it's, it's a little bit different there, but all, all the same machine. And then some of my team actually has 
because they're here and they're connected to corporate servers locally, our IT department prefers that they connect to them natively as well or as natively as possible. And they're using VMware. So another layer of abstraction. Sure, hmm. sure. Now, Paul, I'm curious that you're using Entourage. Have you played with the new Outlook for the Office 2011 yet? I have it, but I haven't installed it yet. I hear really good yeah, I, re- I recommend it. Uh, you know, the thing about Entourage that always just gave me the willies is the way they put the whole database in this one big file. And right. I ha- I've had friends and, and readers and listeners write me about this catastrophic data loss they have when that, that file becomes corrupt. And it always felt to me really, really dangerous. And I, I think Merlin Mann uh, said to me once, he says, it's like putting, it's like loading your kitchen cabinet with dynamite and pretending that there's nothing wrong. Yeah, <laughs> but it's it's very scary. But I would recommend Outlook. I've been playing with it. I, I wrote it up for the the book I just getting ready to release, and uh, they really made a lot of improvements. So you may find that you're really happy with that that step up. But that being said, this this may not be the best time of year for you to switch. <laughs> yeah, true. this this will be a little practical right now. I kind of play with new products in the in the in the late winter and the early spring. That's kind of yeah. an interesting line of questioning. Now, now you finish first. You know, we go in January or February to this amazing show, and you go down that escalator in Moscone. And if anybody's ever ever been there, they'll know exactly what I'm talking about. You look to the left there, and that 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 door opens up into this massive group of people, and just chaotic I, I just cannot imagine that you put all this together and uh, and that's kind of the culmination of your year I mean when you finish it you go back so what do you do after the show's over well we do a lot of other things now yeah. remember we're also working on um, two international events that we do that are for iOS developers called Macworld Mobile yeah congratulations uh, on that by the way I, I think it's awesome that last year everybody was saying that we don't know if Macworld will make it now there's three of them well, yeah, and there's and there's more things coming. So we're working on a lot of new initiatives. And, you know, Macworld has a very interesting place in the industry. I mean, the magazine and the show, it's all about providing a useful service for getting people who make great products and people who want to buy great products together. That's that's what our business model is. And so the magazine has an amazing editorial staff who writes very insightful, in-depth pieces about the products that are out there. Uh, and they're looking for good products. They're not looking for bad products. They want to tell people about exciting things that they should be buying. And the show is just a marketplace. It's really you know a place where once you've bought an Apple product, you bought an iPad, you bought an iPhone, iPod, Apple TV, or a Mac, uh, and now you're like, well, what else can I do with it? Well, Macworld, the show is really all about that. It's about discovering great hardware, software, peripherals, um, accessories for your products that you, bought, that you bought at the Apple Store. And it's about learning how to use them. So it's a really wonderful environment that provides a very interesting service. You know what Katie was saying about it feeling like Christmas? We get notes like that all the time. But the workflow of my year, you know, Macworld in San Francisco is the biggest thing that goes on. We're still busy with other things. And when a Macworld ends... The first thing we start doing is is pouring into the feedback that we got. We get feedback from our exhibitors and sponsors. We get ex- uh, different types of feedback from our conference attendees. Our speakers give us feedback, and so we just kind of kind of digest it all, and then we immediately start a process. Is okay. What can we do better and different and new the next year? And so you know we start like talking to speakers about what they're going to be doing differently over the course of the year. What's of interest to them? Start thinking about um, what the conferences may look like start talking to our exhibitors about what products are going to be coming down the pike. So it's it really is to do a show well that connects with an audience as deeply as we want Macworld to do. We have to kind of be in the market all the time. And, you know, the show generally, like you probably noticed, you first start hearing about the following year's show 
in about July. So we have a lot of work to do from when a show ends to be prepared to open our doors to take registrations to invite exhibitors to participate by July. So we, we do spend all year just immersing ourselves in the marketplace, whether we're actually actively building the show, reacting to uh, feedback, new opportunities that come up all the time, um, you know, talking to people all year round as to what would make it a better environment for them. That's a large part, you know, kind of generically of what my life is like after a show is done. Yeah, I bet. I mean, it shows because every year it's a fluid thing. Every year there's new elements to it, and it's always constantly improving. In the years I've been there, every year I felt has been better than the last. Oh, thanks, David. Yeah. So you do crash, right? I mean, like after the show itself, you do take a day or two, right? Yeah, I mean, I hope. <laughs> I, I, I don't work any harder than you guys do. I mean, you guys, you know, provide this great service. For the Apple products industry, you know, you offer this wonderful webcast, this uh, podcast, uh, and you guys have day jobs as well. And, and, you know, we do these things because we like them. I mean, I've been working in the Apple products industry for a very long time. It's kind of where I grew up professionally. And so it's a lot of work and occasionally, you know, it tests your patience. But what doesn't in life? But on a whole, I, I feel like I have the greatest job in the world. I get to throw a party for a bunch of people who like the same thing as me once a year and it's a lot of joy to do this uh and to do it right and so uh every year i'm excited to show people what new things we've come up with we have a lot of cool new things this year and you know people always think you know it it would be terrible if i didn't like what i was doing but i really like what i'm doing well you know i've got to say paul on that note of of having fun last year uh at the i think it was the Macworld blast they call it the party the idg party uh, we had one of the best bands I've ever seen at that party, and it happened to be your band. But now it's, it's, the, it's the House Rockers, right? That's the name that's of it? That, yep, that's my band here in the Bay Area. And um, we had played at different parties at Macworld over the years. And last year, just kind of, we needed to do it in a different way. And so IDG was cool enough to say, people seem to like hearing you, so why don't you guys play? And so that's what we did. And people seemed to like it. We had a good time. And it was fun, you know. It's a good way to blow off steam at the end of a long day. Of the well, show. yeah, you you were clearly working out some demons up there because you were playing that guitar uh, like crazy. I couldn't. I was really surprised, but I just was amazed at how good you were. I closed down that party. I had so much fun, and I that's one of the best bands I've seen. You know, just in terms of inviting people up to dance and just having a good time that I think thanks. we've ever seen at MacWorld. Well, it it is fun. You know, it's a big band. It's a ten piece band with a five feet, five piece horn section. Yeah play just kind of good fun party music and the, all the guys in the group have been with me for a long time we're all real good friends and we have a good time doing what we do and i think that comes across when we play i mean people seem to like it band's been together 10 years now yeah well you know i've seen you sit in uh, with dave hamilton at the uh, was it the um all-star band yeah the all-star Back band All-Star but band. you know yeah. i just that the band you had was just really t- i used to be a musician and i really appreciated uh, a good band that sounded as tight as yours did and i sure hope that uh, they come back this year at some point or another I do too. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Right. Now, how do you, I know that you probably um, don't produce music professionally on your Mac. I think you mentioned that in the pre-show, but you know, surely you play around a little bit with some of the music applications on your Mac. And we haven't talked any about that in any of our workflow shows. And we've had a lot of listeners ask us, "Oh, when are you going to get somebody on who's going to talk about music in the Mac?" I'm really interested in that. So, do you have any tips or, or thoughts for anybody who's you know kind of digging music and says, "Well, maybe I want one of those Mac things because that's that's kind of for musical people." Well, 
I'll tell you, I think GarageBand is incredible. As far as a very simple to use, um, simple to access tool for just getting music into your Mac that you can then manipulate it later, GarageBand is tremendous. Uh, it provides not only you know a virtual recording studio, a, a digital audio workstation, but you know it provides some some learning tools. There's a bunch of um, lessons that you can get that are beginner to intermediate le- level that helps you to learn to play piano or guitar better. And they also have a whole section with, with like batching, backing tracks where you can practice along with a virtual band, which is really helpful. So I think GarageBand is one of the great, and it, the, you know, the, if you think about all the services it provides, how inexpensive it is when it comes with iLife, GarageBand's fantastic. And then I also do a little bit with Logic, um, so Logic would be a more professional, you know, state-of-the-art digital audio workstation. And, uh, you know, I'm not a great songwriter, but I, every once in a while I'll have some inspiration. I'll feel like getting some stuff down, and I'll use Logic for it, you know, more often than not. And then lately I've just been amazed at the products that have come out for the iPad and the iPhone. And my favorite of these is by a company that will be exhibiting at Macworld this year. will be over by the Berkeley Music Studio this year, uh, Sonoma Wireworks. Sonoma Wireworks has made, almost when the iPhone came out, they had a four-track recording studio for the iPhone. And then they came out with another product that is an eight-track recording studio for the iPad. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, since the iPad came out, I'm really like, why did, why did I think the iPhone was, was that great? That screen is just too impractical to really kind of spend a whole lot of time looking at. The, the form factor is a great phone. But, you know, I, I just think about it was so limiting in terms of just kind of screen real estate that it just was somewhat frustrating. Hey, you know, iPad stuff is fantastic. Paul, I'm looking at this Sonoma Wireworks studio track, an eight-track yeah. recorder for the iPad. It's 40 bucks, yeah. And I'm thinking I'm going to have to buy this. Yeah, I think you just hit buy it now. Because, <laughs> you know, when I was a kid, I, I grew up as a musician as well. And I did some studio work, and I was almost a professional, then got smart went to law school, you know, <laughs> but the, um, uh, I, uh, I used yeah, to do my recording. Argue with that. Yeah. That's, uh, I, I may argue with that on some days, <laughs> but, but anyway, the, um, uh, I used to, the, the, used to way to do my recording is cause I'm basically a keyboardist and a saxophonist. So I used to have uh, my two Sears tape recorders, you know, back in the seventies, you know, and I would record myself playing and then play back and record that. You know, <laughs> that was my multi-track recording system, totally. you know, and then by the time you got to the fourth voice, you couldn't hear the first one anymore. So you'd have to record that one over. And, uh, you know, and I look at the tools, even just in GarageBand. And frankly, if GarageBand had existed in 19, you know, 78, I probably would not be a lawyer at this point. <laughs> mm. Yeah, <laughs> but, the tools are pretty amazing. I mean, you know, it used to be the tools were very hard to use. I mean, yeah, they're just so accessible now. And, you know, it's all about. And it's, it's one of the wonderful things that Apple does. It lets you focus on the content that you're in and makes the, the product, the, the tool disappear, tru- truly become an extension of you. So I think that's cool. But this, this stuff uh, I think that Sonoma does is great because if you have a random idea and you're not happen to be at your, at your computer, you can now get your ideas kind of on a scratch pad down. And actually more than a scratch pad, I mean eight tracks, you can actually get some pretty – complex musical thoughts you know recorded and that's pretty cool they have a a very nice device um guitar port which is for the iphone i didn't know this but the iphone and the ipad um port 
the pinouts are not exactly the same. And so they've had one out for the iPhone now where you can get a very, very high quality, uh, your guitar plugged right into your phone, and they'll come out with a version of it for the iPad really soon. So now it's really seamless. Now it's like you have an easy way to get the source into the device. You have an easy way to capture it, easy way to manipulate it. I think this stuff is going in a fantastic directions. And so, you know, I have my iPad with me just about all the time now. Uh, and, you know, some, even when I'm at a gig or something like that, you're waiting around, you have an idea, you can now get it down. It's really cool. Yeah, you know, and I read that uh, one of the most uh, understated improvements on 4.2 was that they've in, improved the MIDI communication. Right. And I don't know exactly how that works yet. Um, like, for instance, on my keyboard, I have a MIDI to USB cable which plugs into my Mac and it hasn't worked yet with any of the applications I use, but I'm hoping that that's just a question of developers catching up that at some point I'll be able to use the camera connection kit to plug a MIDI keyboard right into my iPad and then start laying down MIDI tracks on some of these great applications on my iPad from my keyboard. And when that line, line six just came out with a complete MIDI interface for uh, an iPad and iPhone line six. This is going to be an expensive show. I can already (laughs) tell. Links will be in the show notes, folks. Yeah, I'm 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 really interested in that line six. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'll I'll look at it later. <laughs> but so I can so then I can plug my MIDI keyboard straight into my iPad and get to work. Oh, excellent, excellent. That is going to be fun. Well, it sounds to me like you use your uh, your Apple products for quite a bit of your music. Then um, I don't perform. You know, like some guys are now using a, an iPad or, or a a, um, a Mac to actually be their virtual pedal board yeah i don't do that uh and i don't do a lot with midi you know i'm a pretty old-fashioned guy when it comes to playing music so um i like to play with the toys and i like to play with the tools and you know i like having things at my disposal should a moment that rare moment of inspiration strike me so i like but mostly it's you know they're toys and tools yeah oh it is a lot of fun though man when you want to just go have some some fun and play some music at the, uh, it's so much easier than it used to be. Absolutely. Uh, just, you know, uh, picking up where you're talking about garage band, I'm like you, I have logic and garage band and I'm getting to the point where, cause my, my keyboard is downstairs and my, my big Mac, my iMac is upstairs and I'm getting to the point where I just keep garage band on my laptop and do all the rough MIDI recording on that. And then when I get upstairs on the big machine with logic, then I use the better voices and some of the other advantages you get with logic. Now you can, now you can do it with your iPad. Yeah. That is going to be nice. Uh, We're going to take a quick break and talk about our first sponsor, and that is Smile. Uh, Smile has a special holiday promotion going on with their disc label software. Uh, Disc label is regularly $35.95, but you can get it 30% off between now and December 31st, making it only $24.95. And, uh, you know, David, we've been running that disc label contest for the past couple of weeks, and we've gotten some very cool entries coming in. Yes, and we have winners. We do have winners. So, We'll uh, we'll post a link on the website with some some of our sample winners, but we're proud to uh, announce that uh, Joey Barkley is the winner of the Productivity Suite. So congratulations to Joey. Uh, we also do have a couple of honorable mentions. Um, uh, Lib Shore and JD Dodd both got honorable mentions. So Joey will get the Productivity Suite, and both JD and Lib will get their choice of either text expander, PDF pen, disc label, uh, or page sender. Yeah, so, it's, good it, stuff. Smile Software makes some of the best productivity software on the Mac. You can check it out at smilesoftware.com. 
And uh, they have a special link for Mac Power users at smilesoftware.com slash MPU. And we thank them for supporting the podcast. Well, Paul, I, I'm learning all sorts of stuff. So how else do you use your Mac to make this amazing conference happen? Um, we uh, did something pretty cool with our speakers this year. So our speaker um, um, submission form posted right to a Google Doc that was accessible by Kathy, you know, my conference manager, and myself. So that was something new that we did this year that made it a lot easier because in the past, um, people would respond, fill out the online form, which would generate an email that would go to me and to Kathy, and, and I, would, at the end of the day, would have a folder of 500 emails, and I'd have to read through each of them. Yeah. Now I can get a Google spreadsheet, uh, and it, it really helps me kind of sort and get organized and stay organized with regards to doing the conference. So that's been, that's been pretty cool. So you guys, have, do you kind of collaborate on that as well, so you can both you know, mark and annotate them? And, exactly. I yeah. can you know, talk to Kathy about how different speakers can fit into the program, and and that that's worked out really well. So that that's one of the bigger innovations that we've had this year. Well, obviously really, there was something wrong with it this year because you let that both sparks go in and Floyd got in. <laughs> yeah, well, we haven't worked all the glitches out. <laughs> yeah, next year. <laughs> right. No, we're looking forward to having you guys. It's great that you submitted and uh, your topics were great. Yeah. Well, it'll be fun. Well, Katie, I guess while we're talking about that, Katie is going to be talking at MacWorld this year, and, and your show this year, Katie, is about. Um, I'm uh, I'm doing going paperless. Yeah. Uh, on Saturday morning. What a great and, topic. Yeah, I hope so. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I, I think a lot of people will be interested in going paperless. And um, you're doing another great topic, David. Yeah. You're doing syncing, right? Yeah, I'm doing synchronization, and that'll be on Saturday around lunchtime. So it'll be right in the same neighborhood. And, and then you know, work- what you guys are doing with this workflow stuff. I mean, the reason those both of those sessions work great for me, you know, we somewhat take for granted how great these tools are because you can get into them – and up to your knees pretty easily. But there's so much more that people can do. I mean, there, you know, there, there's so many settings um, and, and different ways to use the software products that make your life better. But most people get about up to their knees and they're like, this is good enough. Look, I'm doing more than I ever thought I could. But there's just a little bit of effort more and you're really mastering products and changing the way that, that technology works for you. That's a large part of the service that the Macworld conferences offer. Yeah, and I think a lot of that, frankly, is fear. I mean, because people have been burned in the past by computers, and it's like, okay, it's working now. I'm going to stop before it's no longer working. And that's just not true on the Mac. You can go to the next level. You can turn it up to 11, and the thing's going to keep up with you. So, you know, go for it. I think most it. preference panes are still pretty intimidating, and, and you need someone to kind of guide you through what the, what the nomenclature is on these preference panes. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the Macworld Expo then a little bit. So it's going to be January 26th through 29th, again at right. Moscone Center up in San Francisco. I've already made my reservation. If you're right. listening to this, you need to get on and make yours before they're all gone. Uh, and so it's going to have a user conference, uh, Mac IT conference. You've got, you guys have a lot going on this year. Well, we always have a, a lot of rich um, education. Uh, that's just that's just the part of the history of Macworld. But let me just kind of give you a, a quick rundown of some of the cool things that are going on. So first you have the show floor, which will run the 27th through 29th of January. That's a Thursday through a Saturday. The show floor is going to have close to 300 product developers showing their products. We've expanded the area for the mobile app showcase, which are apps that run on an iPad, an iPad, an iPhone, or an iPod Touch. There will be over 100 of those types of developers showing products there. And can I uh, just interrupt you one minute? That was one of the funnest experiences of last year's Macworld. There was so much of that kind of new, excited 
you know, vibe over there. A lot of those guys were that was their first product, and here they are, one of the biggest trade shows in the world, able to show people what they've created. And that, that's to me actually, you know, we're talking about the kind of history of the Mac industry. We we have this reverence that really smart technical people are artists. And that's a very unique thing in our marketplace. And so that interaction at Macworld between a potential buyer and a developer, you're actually talking to the guy who made the product. That's a pretty cool thing. There's not a lot of trade shows that are populist anymore that are open to the public to go to where you can get this type of vibe. So it's another kind of unique thing about Macworld. And yeah, you're right. All the energy last year was in the mobile app. And that was before the iPad shipped. So now we have iPad apps as well. <laughs> and we expect that it's just going to be fantastic again. So yeah. mobile app case will be huge. Yeah, if you weren't there, just let me just paint a picture for you. You've got this section in the middle of the show floor. And there's these little round tables in each one. As far as the eye can see. And each one can has like four partitions on it. So you've got these guys who've written apps in their garage or some of them were big companies, but most of them were these small guys. And yep. they're there, uh, very enthusiastic about the hard work they've done. And they're there to show it to you, show you how it works, and talk to you about it. And and they're just full of, of uh, expo goers that are just anxious to meet these people and say, oh, I love your app. I use it. This is something you should add. Or It was just so fun. You know, Walking through there was one of the, the highlights of the show for me last year. I'm glad, I'm glad that's and, coming back. And I'm sure it'll be even bigger with all the iPad apps now. That's right. And then so, I'd run up to my hotel room and I'd launch iTunes and then I'd start downloading. <laughs> so mobile apps are huge again. I would say that that's where the industry is right now. It's 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 the number, the rate at which they're coming out, the interesting things people are doing with them. So mobile is a big theme of the show still going forward. We've got our Macworld Live stage. So our Macworld Live stage we do in conjunction with our sister company over at Macworld Magazine. Uh, there'll be a lot of content. There'll be some live podcast shows done from the from the floor there. And including uh, our show, we'll be there. We're going to do a backup show on, uh, I think, Thursday. So this is where we find out whether, you know, Katie's lovely, but David, you know, you, <laughs> they say that you have a, a face for radio. Exactly. We'll <laughs> face for radio. That's me. <laughs> um, so uh, the Macworld live stage will have educations, product demos, a lot of Q&A. Macworld magazine will be doing their pundit showdown. There'll be a lot of cool things there, all free, all right on the show floor. Over in the Berkeley area, we're talking about music. So our friends from the Berkeley College of Music, one of the great music institutions in the world, they'll be teaching people how to do all sorts of things, how to connect your Mac to your, your guitar, your keyboard, your drums, how to be a DJ with your Apple equipment. We've got some very special people who are going to be doing some some very interesting sessions there. In fact, this is going to air Saturday or Sunday. Is that what you guys think? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Right, well, I can kind of release some information to you. It's going to go out. So we're, we're talking here on Wednesday night. Thursday... Um, we'll be releasing the feature presenters for Macworld. And the feature presenters for Macworld, we've got an unbelievable lineup this year. So first of all, and, and remember, what I try to do when I invite the feature presenters are, uh, nobody wants a talking head guy up there like a, you know, a junior VP of marketing, you know, just talking about you know, the details of his product that, that are only of interest to 20 people in the audience. We try to get away from talking head, sales pitchy type of feature presenters. What we try to do is we bring in people who will delight you, entertain you, infotain you, inform you, teach you. We have a whole bunch of different criteria that I'm looking for when I invite people to, to be feature presenter. Our lead feature presenter this year is going to be someone who is a great friend to the Apple industry. Uh, he's been at Macworld just about every year. Uh, people see him. They can go right up to him. I mean, he's well known, uh, and he loves to talk tech. He uses tech in his own personal projects. 
But Sinbad is going to be our opening keynote. Wow. Nice. So we're really excited about that. And then we'll also have Zoe Keating, who's a, 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 she's a professional cellist, but she's also a techie. She's actually written a bunch of Apple scripts and other technology. She was an interface designer, uh, and she, she triggers a virtual band to accompany her while she performs this amazing, beautiful cell, cello music. She'll be doing a feature presentation, a performance, and then she'll be going over to the Berkeley Music Stage to kind of talk about the technology. So you can get both. If you just want to hear her play, and she's just amazing, um, you can sit in on a, on a really remarkable performance. And then if you want to talk shop with her, she'll be over in the Berkeley Music Studio kind of talking about how she does what she does. Yeah, count me in for both of those. Yeah. So Zoe's awesome. Um, there's a very, very well-regarded progressive rock band right now called Dream Theater. The keyboardist for Dream Theater, Jordan Rudess, is also an iPad developer. He's come out with some really groundbreaking um, um, iPad music apps that he'll be demonstrating for creating music, creating original music in original ways. So Jordan will be doing part performance and part demonstration of his apps as one of our feature presenters. And then another feature presenter we have, this is just unbelievably cool, um, my friend Nathan Shedroff, who's a, a professor at one of the universities in San Francisco, he has a presentation that's all on the history of science fiction films use of technology everything from back in the 30s and back to back to buck rogers when you didn't have computers how did you create you know faux computers to be used in these science fiction films and so he has this wonderful hysterical interesting i mean most mac mac fans are are sci-fi fans as well Absolutely. It's just going to be fantastic. It's going to, he's going to show what, you know, the, how did they simulate video conferencing in the 1940s in science, science fiction films, all the way up through Jurassic Park, a lot of the science fiction films today. It's, it's really going to be fun. So this really is where we kind of get our geek on, just kind of, you know, look at how uh, the movies have represented technology, science fiction movies have represented technology. Yeah, that's, so that's going to be cool. cool as well. yeah. yeah. So we've got all this great stuff. So I was alluding to that because that's what's going on in the Berkeley Music Studio. Some of these, some of these guests will also be doing talks there. Mobile app showcase. We've got our Mac OS X indie software spotlight area for people to discover new uh, indie softwares. About 275. It'll probably end up between 275 and 300 total exhibitors on the show floor, which is about 20% more than last year, which we're also very happy about. The show is growing again. Good. Wow. And uh, yeah, that's what the show floor is about. And people can still get a ticket. It's twenty five dollars for all three days on the MacWorldExpo dot com website. And I can I'm say I'm not going to have time to do it all. <laughs> that, that's always the big challenge, really, is is picking because there's so many opportunities. But I can say I remember the first time I went to MacWorld, I just bought my exhibit hall pass and I spent two days just learning stuff from the various booths and the exhibit halls and the the um, you know the music session. They had a photography session back then. And there was so much to learn just just walking around and uh, getting all that free uh, knowledge. There's a lot of stuff for I think really no matter what you do with an Apple product, there's something for you there. We have stuff for enterprise managers, we have stuff for creative professionals, stuff for small business people, stuff for educators. So there's there's really something for everybody at Macworld. Yeah. And we haven't even really talked about Tiny Town. At least I guess it's the Indie Mac Software Spotlight, which you call it now, and that's sort of like the iOS developer section where it's just a bunch of small time developers who, uh, people who've made something fantastic and they're, they're springing it on the world. And, you know, it's fun going there over the years. Cause you'll see somebody in one year, they've got a little tiny booth in the corner and the next year they've got a little bigger booth. And next year they've got a whole, you know, wing of the thing because they had a great idea and it took off and it always starts at Macworld. 
Absolutely. We've seen that, you know, originally Delicious Monster uh, with Delicious Library was that way, uh, which is, you know, a hallmark product in terms of in terms of interface design and functionality. And that you saw them kind of grow up through Macworld, which was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. My favorites. One password. We met at Macworld so for the first time. Busy, busy Cal, the busy Mac guys. Yeah. Smile. Uh, we met at Macworld. Smile. Yeah. yeah. First time I met them was at Macworld. I mean, so. And that's the thing is, you know, these really are our modern day artisans. They're creating these these products that kind of change the way we we interact with the world in many ways. They make things easier. They make things more fun, make us more productive. It's really fun to watch people discover new software at the show. And when you go to the show, you meet the people who are coding it. You're not meeting some some press dweeb. I mean, you're meeting the people who are behind it. And it's yeah, great. like I said, Macworld's populist. It's about it's about it's open to the public. You know, it's not only for industry insiders or, you know, we, we want everyone to come. And that's really what Macworld has been about. Now, I, like David, I did the expo floor thing. You know, my first couple of years at Macworld, that was all I did was the expo floor. And I was like, oh, gosh, this is, this is so cool. I could spend a week here. And then last year, I got, you know, clued into the, some of the conference sessions. And um, some of my other friends who just had expo floor passes, they said, gosh, Katie, we haven't seen you all day. Where have you been? I yeah. said, oh, I, I, I was across the street. I was over, you know, learning from Don McAllister how to make a screencast, or I was learning from the editor of Macworld about his, you know, 200, or not 200, but, you know, his 50 favorite, you know, Mac gems and, yep. and all of these other. I mean, these are the Mac luminaries, myself and David excluded, of course, um, <laughs> you know, of our time. So there's, you're really only getting, although it's still, a pretty big story. You're really only getting half the story if you're just sitting in the expo hall. You know, the, the conferences are very valuable, and they're really for people who um, who either you're using the Mac in a, in a professional or semi-professional manner. I mean, because the conferences, to be fair, they, they cost, you know, our user conference is $395, and our, uh, our Mac IT conference, which is, you know, pretty much people coming from, like, I'd say the largest thousand installations of Apple products in the world, that's even more money, but it's very specialized. So it's a, it's a different uh, environment. It's, uh, it costs a little bit of money. We try to provide a lot of value. I mean, in the user conference, at any one time, you could have seven choices of, of sessions to take. So we try to make it worth people's time, try to make it worth people's money. We're careful about who we pick to present. We invite a couple new people every year, and uh, you know, mostly after I've gotten to know them, very rarely you know, in fact, never is there a chance where there's someone who's invited to speak at the conference that I haven't at least spoken to on the phone. So, you know, we'll get a good idea. The person seems to have the right qualifications or I know them and their commitment to quality, which is, you know, you guys have been kind enough to have me on your show for the last two, maybe three years now. And, and um, so, you know, we, we make sure that there's a certain level and our conferences are rated very high. I mean, we do uh, satisfaction surveys and our conferences typically rate about a 4.2 or 4.3 out of 5, which is extraordinarily high when you're talking about technical topics because people's expectations are all over the place. Yeah, well, it's it's something else. I mean, last year I got to learn do a two days of of Apple Script, which was a launching pad for me to really become an Apple Script guy. And uh, there was several other sessions I really enjoyed, and I encourage you if you're listening to the show to look into it. I mean, you don't have to go to the conference to have a great time at MacWorld Expo, but there may be something there that that really helps you along the way. Absolutely agree. You could actually go to go to MacWorldExpo.com up on the top menu bar, you'll see an option that's called training. And under there, it describes what all of the different conference programs are. So to help you find what's best for you to make sure you've bought the right thing. 
and they really are the top people. I mean, uh, one of the, the greatest things for me about having the privilege of speaking at Macworld was um, going in the speaker's room and meeting some of these just brilliant people that you have assembled for this conference. It's, it's just wonderful. Thank you so much. Okay, before moving on, let's talk about our second sponsor, 1Password. 1Password is one of those uh, software developers that I had the pleasure of meeting at Macworld for the first time. They were in one of those little tiny town booths, and it's been great uh, to see 1Password grow and flourish into one of the top Mac developers. And I, I believe they'll have a presence again at Macworld this year. So I'm looking forward to catch up with those guys. And my health, they have grown because not only is 1Password now available for the Mac, it's also available on the iPhone, on the iPad, on the iPod Touch. Um, but they've also got a beta product out for the Android operating system. Uh, they are out on Safari. They're out on Firefox. And their Chrome extension has just come out of beta. And yeah. there's now one password for Windows. So they're everywhere. Yeah, in fact, on Windows, I was with a friend who's a big Windows enthusiast and an iPad owner recently. And I hooked him up with the one password on Windows and showed him how the Dropbox syncs and everything just syncs automatically. And I think I blew his mind. Yeah. I, I, so, th- I think he's going to be on a Mac in a year. That's, I honestly think that 1Password is going to bring him over. 1Password said- allows you to easily fill all of your forms. It will store your credit card information securely so you don't have to keep entering that time and time again as you're doing all of your holiday shopping. There's now no reason for you to have non-secure passwords. It will generate them for you. It will store them securely. And all you have to do is remember your one secure, super secret password, and you've got access to it all. It, it creates secure passwords for you. It uh puts the passwords in and basically a paste function instead of a keyboard function. So key loggers are never going to get you. It looks for the website that you're using and makes sure that the URL is exactly right. So if someone's trying to do a phishing scam, they're a lot less likely uh, to get to you because one password won't offer to fill in the password for you. It's just a great application. I'm really pleased to see how they've grown to multi-platforms and uh, I'm really honored to have them as a sponsor of the show. You can learn more at onepassword.com. Or if you follow the link in our show notes, you'll be eligible to receive 20% off their desktop versions. That's a good deal. Yep. Okay. Well, let's move on. And now another piece of Macworld that isn't in our outline here, but we were talking about it before we started recording, is just, you know, the social aspect of it. And there's so much to do once you get up there. I mean, they have the parties at night, but even just, you know, meeting people in the hallway. And uh, I I find that probably the best part of Macworld, you know, getting away every year and making some new friends and and just finding other, you know, similarly like-minded geeks. That's a very organic thing that happens. I mean, you you take the concept that, Everybody under that roof has a common denominator that they're all Apple product enthusiasts to some degree. And so you start there, and you know the guy left to you and the guy to the right of you has a similar interest to you. There's fun things when people find people with the exact same interests, but there's also this kind of great cross-pollination when you get an educator sitting down with a musician and a filmmaker, or you get a podcaster sitting down with an enterprise guy. I mean, there's just all the kind of cross-pollination that happens. But Macro, like the best compliment I got last year when they, people came, you know, it was the first year we did the show without Apple. And there were a lot of questions as to, you know, what would the show be like? What would the show feel like? And towards the end of the show, I had a good friend come up to me and he said, you know, it's just joy. It just feels like a Macworld. And that's, 
that's about the highest compliment that we can have. People spend their hard-earned money, you know, give up their time to come be at Macworld. We want it to be great for them, and so we do. We work all year to kind of put together all these interesting things, find different unique speakers, work with the great speakers who are good year after year to come up with something new. And if people have had a good time, it's very rewarding. And the social stuff is the kind of the, the cherry on the top. The social stuff is we get out of the way to a great degree and just let that kind of self-organize. All the little impromptu meetups, people sitting on the floor with their laptops open, sharing things, and then deciding to go out for dinner together. You know, the, the all of the restaurants and bars around the around the area seem to be packed crazy. And it's you're talking about the industry. Oh, what's Apple going to do next? You know, did you see Jobs said this? It's just fun. You get to kind of be around this industry, these products that mean so much to people. Apple has created this environment where Apple products kind of get into your heart and soul. It means a lot to people. You want to talk about it. You want to express yourself about it. You want to learn about it. You want to you want to see new things. And uh, and it's kind of cool. Macro's a place where we let people just do that and be that. Well, to a large extent, Katie and I owe our friendship to Macworld because, you know, she's in Florida. I'm in California. And this podcast, yeah. yeah. I mean, we uh, we met there and we became good friends. And, you know, if we had just been emailing each other and never actually shared the same zip code for a few days, yeah, uh, we probably – our friendship wouldn't be where it is and it's really special. So I think that's, that's just the, another reason to go up there every year. Very cool. Yeah. Well, you guys do a wonderful job up there, and I am so pleased that everything went on last year as as I expected it would, frankly, without a hitch. I mean, Apple wasn't there, but it really didn't feel a bit different to me. Uh, to a certain extent, I thought it was an improvement because I think this addition of these featured speakers is way better than – at least for me, uh, than having to, you know, get up at 2 a.m. To, <laughs> to hear Steve Jobs uh, or, you know, whoever they send. Or worse yet, whoever the replacement is. And, you know, you, know, it, you don't replace a Steve Jobs. I mean, that, that's not what we're trying to do. Nobody is going to be have the impact on the marketplace that, that, that Steve does. But I take this approach that, like I said, we want to delight people. We want to make them smile. We want to make them think. We want to uh, stimulate their creative uh, juices, so to speak. And um, that's really what all these people do. And the really cool thing, I, got, I keep going back to this populist idea. That guy on the stage giving a feature pre- presentation at Macworld, he's a geek as well, or she. Yeah. And, um, you know, the veil between the presenter and the audience is very thin at Macworld. I mean, there are brilliant people in our audience who are going to say, hey, I didn't know that I could just come to you and talk about what I'm doing. Like, that's like, you know, this, this sci-fi session I'm telling you about. You're going to absolutely love it. But it's really not anything that some of the really brilliant people who come to the show, um, they could do as well. So that's another criteria is that how do we make that connection between the people on stage? And, and like you guys know, because you guys interview most of these people, you get an Adam Angst or a Chris Breen or, you know, or, or a Merlin Mann. They're, they're as much in the community as on the community. They're, they're just – they love it as much as we love it. Yeah, and there's a, there's a shared passion and the Apple presentations were great, don't get me wrong, but last year was really fantastic because anybody with an Expo Hall pass, you didn't need to be a VIP or anybody special. You could just go in and hear some of these brilliant people talk. And in a lot of ways, that was an improvement. I'm glad you picked up on that. Yeah. <laughs> well, it is an amazing show, and I want to thank you for coming on and talking to us about the way you use your Mac and uh, Macworld Expo in January 26th. Uh, actually, the conference starts on the 26th, and the Expo starts on the 27th. They both look forward to hosting you guys. I mean, you'll be there covering the show. You'll be doing a podcast. You'll be speaking in the conference. 
you guys will be pretty tired by the end of the week as well. I sure hope and, so. And keep in mind, Paul, we're using vacation days to come. This is our vacation. <laughs> and it's, it's absolutely <laughs> worth it to me. Worth every penny. Great. And every sleepless night. Yeah, it's a great time, though. I, I uh, Anybody listening to this show, probably, if they can go, they should. It's, it is a lot of fun. Even if you just go up for one day, uh, you will have a good time. And uh, yeah. you'll learn something new, and you'll make at least one new friend. I remember last year I was just sitting down eating a sandwich. Uh, the I was sitting on the floor eating a sandwich because I was there at the wrong time. It was really crowded. And the guy next to me. Uh, starts asking me about dictation software. You know, <laughs> he was a doctor from like Wisconsin. You know, <laughs> and he recognized me from the show. And it, it, you know, it's just it, the world is that small. When you go there, everybody in the room, you have something in common with them, and it's not that hard to start talking. Very cool. So, Paul, it's it's not too late to figure this out. In fact, I was actually going through my email archive a couple of years ago. I made my MacWorld reservations about this time, and um. It's it's not too late to book hotels. It's not too late to book airfare. It's not too late to get uh, either expo or conference passes. Uh, what's the best way to do all that? Everything is done on, online, www.macworldexpo.com. We've got all the travel information if you're coming in from somewhere else. We've got all the pricing and the conference information. Uh, we've got information on all of the things that I've been sharing with you guys today. Uh, and uh, we'll be announcing more as we go along. So even if you're not ready to make the decision to come right now, um, check back on the website, and as we announce even more stuff, you'll be able to uh, you'll be able to stay abreast with what we're doing. We, right now, I, I would I would love it if all the listeners we posted a cool promo video. There's a there's an illustrator, an animator in the Mac market. His his name's William Levin. He goes by the name Mac Boy. He mm-hmm. did a brilliant movie for us. That's kind of uh, you know Tron is coming out in the next week or so, um, and it's kind of a takeoff on the concept of Tron. And every year we try and do something. Last year we did something with a bunch of people in the Apple industry. This year we did this animation, and it's really fun. So go to MacWorldExpo.com, watch the movie. It's right on the homepage, and you'll get a kick out of it. And then you can kind of look around and see what, what at MacWorld is for you. And, Paul, MacWorld Expo has a Twitter account too, right, if you want to follow and kind of keep up with what's going on? Yeah, we have a, we, we have a Facebook account where we're able to pr- pr- uh, offer more rich media so that's just the, a user account is Macworld, and you'll you'll find it. Uh, and then we also have a Macworld Expo Twitter account. Yeah, and I follow that, and I always find that you know, especially as we get closer to the show, you make announcements there, and it helps you fill your calendar because you see things going on. You say, okay, I'm going to add that one now. You know, absolutely. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot, Paul, for coming in. It's great talking to you again. I look forward to seeing you in January. I can't wait to get up there and have some more fun. Happy holidays to you guys. Thanks again for having me on, and I look forward to hosting you in San Francisco this coming January. See you then. Thanks so much, Paul. Bye-bye. Last up, we do want to talk about our final sponsor, the Omni Group, and they are another one of my favorite Macworld attendees. I always like to see what they're up to because they've always got great training sessions going on in their booth. In fact, I think that's how we found Merlin Mann last year as you were stalking him at the Omni Group booth. Everybody keeps saying stalking. I don't understand the stalking stuff. Yeah, well, because you were. But you, I mean, what better way than to learn about all of Omni's great software than to actually learn from the developers and the people who are producing the software? Yeah, and and the Omni booth is great because they always get a nice big booth. And they have the product managers for all their products there. And so I was able to bring my gripe list and talk to uh, some of the, the key developers about things that I would like to see improved. And in a lot of cases, I have seen improvement. I mean, they, they are listening, and that's one of the reasons I think they come to Macworld is to interact with the users and find out what works and what doesn't. 
this week I'd like to mention briefly one of my favorite Omni applications that I don't think a lot of people are aware of. It's called OmniGraph Sketcher. And this is a new category of app in my mind. Uh, we've all tried to make graphs in Excel or numbers and run into various problems when you want to highlight a certain section or a certain point. Uh, while those spreadsheet applications are great for preparing accurate graphs, they don't really allow you to go to that next level to make it a, a, a type of graph that you can use in a presentation to really highlight certain sections. It's just, they're just not made that way without a lot of extra work. OmniGraph Sketcher does that for you. It makes it really easy to take graphing data and highlight it or, or make it sing for you. You know, fill in sections or modify points. Um, it's an amazing little application. Uh, it's not too expensive. You can get it for... $29.95 for a single-use license or $44.95 for a family pack. They also have a version for the iPad, which is way cool, for $14.99. And you can download it get free trial like with everything omni does if you're not happy including uh, ipad apps you can get a refund uh, and i doubt you will though because it's they're great products and this one really scratches the itch if you find yourself working with graphs and going in meetings and the guy in the back of the room looks at it and says but i don't understand what any of this means which they may or may not say to you but they will be thinking uh, using a, an application like OmniGraph Sketcher, you can go in and highlight and, and show exactly what's important about the information you're putting in front of your audience. Uh, as a trial lawyer, I use it all the time, and I think it's an outstanding product. So thanks, Omni, for uh, sponsoring the podcast, and check out OmniGraph Sketcher. All right. Well, it's feedback time. A uh, lot, of, lot of feedback on our iTunes show. Yeah, it was great, you know, because we asked for it. We said, okay, everybody, let's get, you know, some comments up there and let's find out, you know, what how we can make iTunes better. And we got a lot of great uh, comments from some of the listeners. Um, first off, if you haven't already, check out the show notes at MacPowerUsers.com. Go down to the iTunes show, click on that, and, and be sure you read through the comments field because we ask people, um, post to the comments field so that you can share your 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 playlist, your tips, um, and all that other great stuff with everybody because we're not going to be able to cover everything in the follow-up section. There'd just be too much. But I, I did notice that there was some pretty active comment activity with people throwing in their, their favorite playlist. And some of those I incorporated into my system. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Bruce wrote in and talked about several of his favorite uh, smart playlists. He has one called Random where he sets um, uh, music that's not holiday music and then he... Um, puts it together and has random a random playlist to play music from all of his library, which I thought was kind of a good idea. Uh, he likes movies, so he had a film score one. Uh, he had a best of 2010 playlist. Just He had some very interesting ones. He went on through it and, uh, and discussed it in an extended comment, so I'd, I'd recommend you go check that out. Yeah, he also did post that, like you said, to the comment section, so that's, that's available as well. Um, we also got a iTunes uh, a comment on iTunes from Thomas, who said he just finished listening to the show. And one thing that he noticed is that we were talking about external iTunes or iPhoto libraries or whatever. Um, and David, you were talking about your manual backup procedures, and he wanted to talk a little bit about how Time Machine worked. And I think we mentioned um, that you know you don't typically use Time Machine to uh, back up external drives, but you can, um, you know, especially if it's an attached external drive, you know, attached by USB. Um, if you go into the time machine preferences, you know, I, I believe by default attached drives are excluded from the time machine backup, but you can remove the exclusion and they will back up to your time machine. 
And the reason I don't is because my iTunes library has become such a beast that it wouldn't fit. <laughs> yeah, you probably only want to do this if you have a smaller library or if you have a really big time capsule or a, or a time machine backup. Now, we also heard from um, MDM. I'm not sure who that was. I didn't have the name here, so I apologize for not having your name. But uh, he or she wrote in about the one star for files that you want to trash. And that's something I do, too. I, I neglected to mention on the show is uh, as you're going through your library, if there's something that you say, I never want to hear this again, I mark them as one star. And that's what this listener does as well. So then you can go through and make a smart playlist with one star and just trash anything that's in that in that smart playlist. Right. Um, Eddie wrote in and said uh, that he and his wife struggled for a while with the uh, issue of how to deal with, you know, basically multiple users in, in one iTunes account. And do they just go with his and her laptops or do they try to merge everything on one machine? Uh, and Eddie said that their solution was is that in the comments field of a song, Eddie put an E in front of the songs that were, quote, for his ears only uh, and a B, presumably his wife's name starts with a B. Uh, in front of the comments for hers, and then an A for all songs or songs that they both like. And then they can easily create playlists and then incorporate the rules into the smart playlist that say either look for the comment E or A for his or B or A for hers, uh, and that that's been working well for them. So uh, peace in the marital household is is a good thing. Yes, I found to my shock and amazement that my Christmas uh, playlist actually has some Glee music on it yesterday so i'm thinking i may have to look into this rule there you go um well yours is going to be hard because you got the david and the daisy yeah that's true (laughs) that's true and and to be honest i actually kind of enjoyed the glee song so there you have it um Mm -hmm. we got a a letter in from from coley and he had talked about uh, using a single itunes library on shared users and he did it with some terminal foo uh we're gonna just leave that one up it's up on the uh the site. So go ahead and read it. I'm not going to read all the terminal language here, but there's a way to do it. And he laid it right out for us. So it's great if you want to do that. Yeah. Um, David, I'm going to let you handle this one because we had a lot of comments about iFlix. And is it I-F-L-I-C-K-S or I-F-L-I-X? Because I think there's the program that you use and then there's another program that does something similar, but is no longer in development. And there may have been some people that are confused. Yeah. I, and I apologize for that. The The program I use is iFlix with a CKS, not F-L-I-X. And as I understand it, iFlix with an X is no longer in development, but iFlix with the CKS is. That's the one I use. It works great. Uh, there were some questions about how it works in the comments. Uh, I actually added a link uh, to one of our listeners and I don't have it in front of me, I'm sorry. Uh, but he wrote an extended article on his website uh, ex- explaining exactly how he does the metadata using iFlix. And I think it's really well written. So just go to the show notes. You can click that, and it'll show you how it works. But uh, to put it a uh, short story, you can have the movie already in your library. It uses a little Apple script. It basically takes that information, goes out of iTunes, finds the metadata, puts it in, and then through a very quick process, injects that back into the file in your iTunes library. I use it on all mine. The first time I used it, I I just went in my movies folder and hit command A to select everything and ran that script and got the vast majority of them with all the metadata I could ever want. So it's a great app. So you're not, you're not re-encoding or anything like that. No, no, but you've got to set it right. And he explains it on the website and I just, just go read the website and you'll be fine. And the developers at iFlix are going to help you as well. If you have any problems. Excellent. 
we got a, another email from Clifford about using an iTunes server, and uh, he said that you know David talked about using a time capsule as a network drive for storing media, but he also wanted to point out that um, the network connection should really be no more dodgy using a wireless connection and using sharing, but he recommended using a file server um, that exports the media volume by NFS or SMB or AFS, and he said then you can set up the auto-mounter to always mount and share on the fly. That makes sense. And then I think you can actually launch it, and um, what I've done before is I've gone into my user account and then login items, and I've stuck an alias to it in there. Um, so that it will auto launch when I when I log in. You know the thing. The thing for me right. is I just I just don't feel that you know heavy media is really there yet with like a wireless server solution, and I've never really had enough faith in it to give it much of a chance. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as I explained in the show, we've got we, we're fortunate enough to have one iMac that's always running in our house, so you know the iTunes is attached to that, and that solves a lot of problems. Right. Okay. But then you know. It, but then I do stream the movies from the iMac to the Apple TV and to the iPads and everything else in the house. So I guess it really wouldn't matter if you put it on a server now that I think about it. Yeah. See, I think my, my solution to that is I, I do think I'm going to buy a Mac Mini in the near future that's just going to kind of be a dedicated Well, you've been threatening stream. to do it long I've enough. I've been threatening. I'm going to do it. I'm yeah. going to do it. Next refresh. All right. It's, it's done. Done deal. Okay. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing how you, how you incorporate that. Yeah, but we're too close to a refresh now for me to do it now. Yeah, well, I'm so sure I either, it'll happen. I either got to wait till the next refresh and buy the old one at a discount or just you know see what's up next. Yes, uh, and then we also heard from Steve, uh, and he was talking about how he really never paid much attention to ratings until he got an iPhone. And that's a good reason, too, because there's so many neat things you can do with smart playlists once you start using ratings. Um, and he has one where he picks um, zero star songs. So that's how he has a constant source of unrated songs he can go through and fix up. It's a good idea. Yeah. I need to do that. Although I do have um, I do have some one-star songs that are really one-star songs. Maybe anything that's just one-star can just be re- deleted. Well, that's what I do. I mean, I, I reserve one-star for deletion and... And it's just because I'm kind of nuts, the stuff I do rate usually ends up three or better. It's hard for me to, to give something two stars. <laughs> I really need a half star. Because if it's good enough to say my library, it's definitely more than two stars. You know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But I do have some fun playlists. I've got my Christmas Yule playlist all signed up now, and I've been enjoying listening to it. Yeah. Even We're getting our late. Christmas tree this weekend, so... um I haven't been listening to any Christmas music, but I haven't gotten any decorations up either, so I got to do that. Oh, not me. I, I, I load that sucker up before Thanksgiving, and as soon as uh, we, we're driving home from Thanksgiving dinner, I start playing them. I can't wait to listen to Christmas music. Well, anyway, Katie, uh, I guess that does it for feedback. There's a lot more on the website, and we do enjoy hearing from you, and we really enjoyed in this show having everyone share their favorite smart playlists. I think it gave all the, the readers something to think about and hopefully incorporate into their workflows. Um, so that being said, I think we need to move on. Yeah, and I guess we, uh, we probably need to tell people how they can find us and, and what we do. Yes, you can find the Mac Power users on our website at uh, MacPowerUsers.com. And you can email us to uh, feedback at MacPowerUsers.com. That comes to both of us, so hopefully one of us will be able to get back with you. Uh, we do also have a Google Voice number, so if you want to leave us a voice message, you can do that at 706-45-POWER. That's 706-457-6937. 
Um, and we're on Twitter. I did go through and clean off all the spam bots that were following us on Twitter, though. So if I if I scratched you, I'm sorry. Um, I didn't mean to. But uh, twitter.com slash MacPowerUsers. Yes, and Katie's is Katie Floyd. At, and Yeah, I'm and at I'm, Katie Floyd, and you are at Mac Sparky. I am. So, um, we love our iTunes comments, so if you get a chance, please feel free to hop into iTunes and uh, rate the show. And a big thank you to our sponsors, Smile, 1Password, and the Omni Group. And also thanks to Paul Kent for taking his time to stop by and talk about how he uses his Mac and share information with us about Macworld 2011. So, Katie, what's next? Well, I think we're going to talk about buying the right Mac or picking the right Mac because we've got some experience with that. Yes, you and I have both been throwing money towards Cupertino lately, haven't we? Throwing cash into the wind. Yeah. I just paid that visa bill. That was not fun. Well, anyway, it's it's a good show, I think. Um, a lot of times you're going to be asked you know, from people or friends, I got some Christmas money, I think I want to get a Mac, which one should I get? Or maybe you're thinking yourself about what's the best one. And uh, we've given a lot of thought to it, so we thought we'd take a show to kind of discuss how we feel it all plays out and where you get the most bang for your buck, depending on what you're using. And we're going to talk about all the Macs, not just one. Yes. The whole line. Top to bottom. A little bit about the new MacBook Airs though. Yeah, I think so. Uh, We're both, we both bought MacBook Airs and we're both enjoying them. So I'm sure we'll cover that, but I want to cover everything. So everybody, but I've owned a lot of Mac. I think I've owned every Mac over the years. Every Mac. I wouldn't. Well, no, not every single Mac, but every type of Mac. Yeah. I mean, I've owned iMacs, I've owned Mac Minis, I've owned Power Macs, I've owned Towers, I've owned, you know, laptops, I've owned desktops. I've, yeah, I think I've gotten covered. Well, good. You're well suited for this next show. I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on it. And uh, until then, I hope everybody's doing well. Uh, the show after that, we have already decided I'm going to talk, give you the spill the beans on my book. Uh, so You're going to talk about how to write a book, too. I'm going to go over the whole thing. And it's on Amazon now, so you can check that out. Just go on Amazon. How you get a book contract, how you write it, how you publish it. I'm, I'm interested to hear about all that. Yeah. Well, I mean. Maybe I'll interview you for a change. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> all right. I think folks. some of it was blind luck, to be honest with you. But either way, I'm going to tell you everything I can. So we've got our shows planned out. And until then, we'll see you then.